0: His mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back
1: to Blazing Grace Radio. Glad to have you along. Coming to you from the Valley of the Sun, and I love it here in the desert, especially this time of the year when we don't have to shovel snow like I did 25 years in Colorado. So today we're going to be talking about sexual abuse. And surveys have shown that one out of every four women have been molested, and one out of every six men have been molested, and I'm one of those six. I've shared on our show before my story being molested as a teen and— this is a prevalent problem in the church, too, so in two thousand nineteen the Houston Chronicle broke a story where they found that seven hundred people had been molested in Baptist churches over a period of twenty years and and that was a big mess for the Baptist Church. in fact, four years later, they're still struggling how to to figure out how to deal with it and So people who have been molested and sexually abused in their church, there's a lot more than you realize, and it's critical that we open this up and we talk openly about it. It's a very shaming, powerful thing. It's trauma. It's rape of the soul. And so today I have a woman in studio with me who was kind enough to drive two hours from Tucson, Tasha Campbell. Tasha, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you today
1: so let 's jump right in, and we 'll get started with having you share your story.:
2: Sure, so I am originally from Michigan, uh, northern lower Michigan. For anyone familiar with that geography, we like to distinguish where we are, and I grew up in a rural um, rural community of about five thousand people. Um, just for context, my graduating class was only a hundred of us um, and so grew up and I am the only child of my parents. Um, and I was the first born of great of grandchildren and great grandchildren, so uh, just kind of positioning myself in how I my my role in the family. Um, grew up, my parents uh, met at Bible college and um, got married in their early, um, I think they were about twenty, and um, then so growing up when I was born, we went to church on Sundays. And to me, that was about all that church was was uh going to church on Sundays, and we would also go on- wednesday nights um but i I don't recall as a young child um anything um more really than that. Um, I remember a loving home with my mom and dad um my grandparents uh on my dad's side in particular were uh, a big part of my family. Uh, we were several hours from my mom's uh, side of the family. Um, fast forward a little bit, um, I don't feel that there was anything super that stood out a ton um, in my childhood. Um, for myself, um, I know my mom had three miscarriages after my uh, after I was born, and that I'm sure took a toll on my parents and their marriage. But, um, but being a child and someone who has not ever married, I don't know uh, exactly how that um, played into their marriage. But so fast forward, uh, when I was um, eight, my grandparents, my father's parents divorced. Um, this was uh, also a year. We, we can look at the chronology of um, the chronological timeline of things in my family this was a year after my great grandfather had passed away so my great grandfather passed away when I was seven when I was eight my dad 's parents got divorced when I was nine, my parents divorced. Um, so my mom had moved out um, she moved in with her boyfriend, and i uh, was I stayed living with my dad, which uh, as an adult, I learned is kind of rare. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, but that was uh, between my parents and however they worked it out with the court, they felt that that was the more stable home. Um, My mom was the one who had moved out uh, to pursue what it is she wanted to look for in life. Um, It was around uh, about a year after my parents divorced when I was 10 that my dad um, and his mom, my grandmother, who was a very huge part in my life, they started going to a different church uh, than the one I had go- gone to growing up. Until that point, it took me a while to go to church with them. I stayed going to the to the churches that I knew with family or friends, um, but finally uh, decided to go to church with my my dad and my grandma um, because I could see a difference. In how they were acting, how they were interacting, and um, church wasn 't in uh, christianity wasn 't just a thing on the Sundays anymore. it started to become a thing at home. We would um, talk about God, we would talk about theological ideas mm-hmm. I mean even as a young child um, we would we would engage with the Bible um, and so I would say you know, when I was about um, 10, I started to realize what it meant a little bit more of um, who is God and what, does, what is his role in our life. Um, I'm
1: curious, so what was missing from your first church experience? You said it was just about, Christianity was just about church, but what else was missing?
2: I think, um, I don't think there was anything necessarily about the church uh, or even the people that went to that church because I know Many of them still now as an adult, um, it was just the way my parents uh, brought it home mm. or how they didn't bring it home. so my dad and my grandma um, had a, a light bulb moment with their relationship with jesus, mm. and um, so that started to filter down um, to bringing it home for us or for for me uh, being the only child but um so i yeah i there was different methods of of teaching the bible for sure um it was a it was we went from a church of christ to a non-denominational church but um yeah i think it was just more they had light bulb moments Mm -hmm. and that's how it uh then started to shine for me um which is all how god works it's through relationship and um so yeah so my mom in this time um i still had relationship with her um She moved almost every year. Um, It's a really small town, but uh, that was kind of how I could count time as a a preteen, was the different houses my mom lived in, because it was about every year. So when I was uh, 11 or 12, yeah, excuse me, something in my throat, too. Um, 11 or 12, um, my mom was still with the same boyfriend that she had left my dad for. Initially, I was not um, back up. Uh, I was my one of the rules my dad had was that I wasn't allowed to stay overnight at my mom's house until I had my own bedroom, uh, because when she first moved out, she moved into a, uh, a studio apartment with this boyfriend. Oh. Um, so my dad had some um, wisdom in that um, that I knew at that time. Um, so uh, it was. I don't know, a couple years later, she, my mom finally got a place where I had my own bedroom. I was allowed to stay the night. Um, it wasn't just daytime visits and that kind of stuff. Um, and so when I was 11 or 12, um, to me, uh, or not to me, but, um, this was blocked from my mind for a long time, for several years, but, um, my mom's boyfriend, he sexually abused me. Um, and my mom actually had an active role in all of that. Um, And so I was able to uh, accept and come to terms with and process the male component of sexual abuse. But when it meant also dealing with my mom's role and the female component on being a female myself, the same-sex component of that, that was even harder. Um, And that took me a lot longer to actually come to terms with. But like I said, I didn't get to that until um, several years down the road because I had blocked that out.
1: So it was. What happened to you? A one-time event, or were there multiple times?
2: I can recall um, at least two, maybe three instances. Um, it's all in one house. My memories, and like I said, my mom moved every year. So uh, to me, that says it was within a single year's time span. Um, and I have two very specific memories, uh, two different memories. Um, so at the very least, I can say it was two or three times. I can't say if it was more than that. Um,
1: and did she actually physically participate in what happened or she just knew about it?
2: Yeah, that's the hard the part that has been a recent um, healing journey for me. Um, I'm now in my 30s. And uh, so I was not able to express out loud her involvement, but she, my mom, um, I felt she always knew about things and it wasn't until recently that I could say, um, my mom showed me how to do things, um, in a bedroom. So, uh, that's where I say she had an active role, uh, because if she did not physically touch me, but, um, it was showing me how to do things.
1: Was the boyfriend there when that happened?
2: Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yep. Um, And um, it's a distinction to me that's important. Um, There was no penetration. There was no um, sex, but it was sexual abuse. Mm. um, That I have seen more things than I should have seen as a young child and know more than I should have known at that time.
1: So then after this happened... What happened to you?
2: Yeah. Um, Things are a little fuzzy. Uh, As I was talking to you just a little bit ago, um, our child brains, uh, God has equipped our child brains with some protective mechanisms such as blocking or fuzziness, um, which makes it hard to come back to later in life. But um, things are fuzzy for me Um, as far as timeline, um, I know that my mom and that boyfriend, uh, stayed in contact for a long time, um, but he had moved away. Uh, he moved about two hours away from where we were living, um, and so I didn't have to see him for uh, long periods of time. Eventually my mom moved uh, to that new city uh, with him, um, but so I at the very least didn't have to interact with my primary abuser um, I hadn't yet grappled with the fact that my mother was also um an abuser in my life um, i going into my teenage years um, I accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior when I was thirteen and got baptized and publicly professed that um relationship and that was a huge turning point for me um, time time frame wise i I like I said that was the sexual abuse was blocked so I don't know about the time frame between it being another year or two after the abuse uh, about that um profession of faith. So when
1: you say blocked do you mean the memory was pretty much wiped from your memory after that happened?
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: Like immediately after that happened?
2: I think it was. Um I don't recall any instances of trying to uh n- trying to tell anyone um and being shut down or, um, any instance of struggling with my faith because of what happened or, um, engaging with people in, in school or in youth group, I, there's nothing like that for me at that time. Um, now as an adult, um, when I, so I, one of the things that was a huge thing for me is I went and I lived abroad for a year, uh, as a, as a 16, 17 year old um, I was an inter- international exchange student, and that meant that I uprooted myself voluntarily and placed myself in a new country. And then I did it again coming back home um, a year later. And so I lost all um, str- all support system um, for two years in a row. Uh, and I, I think that really had a big um, uh the abuse and then losing all of my support systems for two years like that, um, really, that's where it started to start um, manifesting. Because when I got back to the United States, back to Michigan, um, as an 18-year-old, um, I started to go through a really deep time of depression. Um, and now I can see where that is connected in a, in a sense um, because those seeds of depression uh, could have been rooted in that abuse at that time. Um so
1: well, that sounds to me like the depression was leaking out of your emotions
2: yeah yeah um, so uh, like I said, I got back to the to the United States, back to Michigan as an eighteen year old um didn't have the support system um was embarking on adulthood, and um that's when uh all of these memories uh they started to slowly um come back into my conscious. Um, so as a 20-year-old, a um, early 20s, already dealing with all of the struggles that young adults do, I was then faced with a lot of memories. Um, so
1: were you seeing a counselor or they just started creeping in the back of your mind? They
2: just started coming back. Um, and I, I can't pinpoint anything that um, made uh, – it was like a switch or opened that. Um, it was a slow remembrance but uh, nothing was happening except, like I said, that h- huge life change um, had had been going on in my life at that time.
1: Was your mom a believer at the time that that happened to you when you were 11?
2: Uh, that's a complicated question just because um, my mom has I, – I still have re- a relationship with her. It's not a great one. Um, my mom has always uh, said – she believes in god she says she has a relationship with jesus she goes to church but i don't see fruit the fruit of the spirit um in her life especially in regards to me um when i uh, approached her about some of these things and, and confronted her um it was flat out denial and um calling me a liar in not quite so many words but um and to me that, there was just no um ownership of the situation. Um, and so it depends on who you ask. I would say, you know, I I struggle to say she wasn't a believer just because I, I have seen um, her efforts to, uh, to engage with the church. But just because people are in the church doesn't mean that they um, are followers of Christ. So
1: So after all these memories have now come to the surface, what was going on with you emotionally? Was there anger, shame, depression?
2: Yeah. So like I said, I I got back to to the States uh, after living abroad for a year um, without my support system, just really, um, really depressed. I did have um, some suicidal thoughts, just thinking I can't handle the weight of everything. I can't handle the weight of being all by myself um, and just alone in the world. Uh, I still had a relationship with my dad, with my grandma, but I was living by myself. Um, Michigan has very short days and long periods of no sun. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know that didn't help, but um, uh, just considering what would it look like to just be done with life. Um, I was trying to get plugged in with my church. I was um, going to community college, um, so trying to get plugged in with events that were happening, um, and God, in his gracious mercy, um, provided a couple of lifeline people, um, some friends who just totally reached out. Um, they didn't know what was going on necessarily, but they were um, constantly offering to get together and to um, to engage in Bible study and all of this. Um, and I did start to, uh, after a few years, I started to see a counselor. Um, and that didn't last a long time just because we didn't click. Uh, but um, that helped me with some tools and um, through just some, some deep Bible study in my early 20s is um, how I was able to get through those really dark times.
1: So you had the depression, the suicidal thoughts. Was there anything else going on? Shame. A lot of people go through shame who have been. Molest. Oh
2: yes, yeah. I couldn't talk about it. I did not tell anyone uh, about what had happened until I was uh, at least thirty. Oh, wow. um, I had moved away from everyone I knew. I am now in Arizona. Um, I moved out to Arizona uh, when I was twenty-five for grad school. Moved to Tucson excuse me. And, um, just, uh, I, when I was, um, it was around 30 that I had finally gotten to a place where I'd processed things. Um, again, uh, some very minimal counseling. I'm not saying that, uh, that was a wise choice, but, uh, it was just how things had played out in my life, minimal counseling, but a lot of spiritual, um, uh, and and asking God for clarity and for healing and for wisdom, Um, a lot of uh, personal and and with Christ um, healing. He did a lot of things for me in that way. Uh, But I became a part of a group of people that I could trust, Uh, and I knew that it didn't matter um, what had happened in my life. Uh, We we were definitely— I've heard recently the term covenant group. We we could definitely talk about all of those deep ugly things. And so it was at that time that I had first said, I have I was I was abused by my mom's boyfriend, and um, that was received with, wow, I am really sorry that that happened to you, and how are you how are you healing from that, and how um, and what do you need from us? Um, so that was. It was well-received. It wasn't until uh, a few years later that then I was a part of a, a soul care group, um, uh, which is just a particular kind of, um, I don't want to say counseling group, but um, we're we're just being, we're asking the Lord for guidance on what he wants to speak to us about our lives and um, sharing that with a group of, a small group of people. Um, and it was at that time that God said, it's time for you to dive into what does it mean to um, explore uh, your mom's abuse in all of this. Uh, and I, with a lot of shaking, uh, my stomach was in knots. Mm. I shared that with uh, with this small group of women. Um, and uh, there were a couple women there who were my peers and a couple of women who were uh, old enough to be uh, a mother, um age and then there was one woman who was old enough actually to have been a grandmother age um for me and the um the love and um the I could see how much their hearts broke for what happened mm-hmm. that that did a a lot for me. It wasn't it I was afraid that they would hear what had happened and they would say, no more. We don't want anything to do with you. And instead they said, our hearts break with you and for you, and we are here for you, however that means, and let's go to Jesus together about healing. Um, and so that was the first of just— wait, wait,
1: hold on a second. I want to reject there because that is critical. And unfortunately we hear people, stories of people who do not— Respond yes. well. So, yeah. what you just shared <clears throat> is a big time takeaway for our listeners. Is that this is how you walk alongside someone who is hurting or been abused or molested? I think that's outstanding.
2: Yeah, yeah they're 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 a great um, even today. I can I, I know I can go with, to any of those women and just say this is what's going on in my life and. Um, like, And I was just going to say that that was the first of breaking that shame um, uh, uh, with what had happened. And now I can talk to people that I haven't met uh, or I have met and it's still a new person. And I can I know that um, it's uh, my identity is based on who God has said I am and not what has happened in my life.
1: So with the time we have, what do you think needs to happen in the church to minister to those who have been sexually abused?
2: Sadly, I think we need to um, be willing to talk about our stories. And it's hard to do that, Um, not only for us to have a platform for what's happened, but for our churches to make the platform um, and and accept these horrible stories um, that are going on. Uh, And so I think we just need to be more willing to listen uh, to what is going on in people's lives.
1: Thirty seconds. Anything you want to say?
2: Um, just I am beyond grateful for all that the Lord has done um, in me, and now He's doing through me. Um, and just want to give glory to Him for for His healing work.
1: And I know my audience can't see you, but you have a twinkle in your eye and a kindness there, and and a smile that lights up the room. And so I know that you've been through some healing. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining me, Tasha, and being open and willing to share.
2: Yeah, thank you, Mike, for asking me to come up.
1: So thank you, my friends, and we'll talk to you next time.
2: Do you want to be free?
0: Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Jenung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org, email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.